and asks if they came through the circle of Stark Stargate. The circle <laughs> asks if they came through the circle of darkness. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate Gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Sorry, my computer is being annoying at my restart, so... Ugh. Yeah, but but I'm, I'm here now. Huzzah. And almost have my notes open. What? I hear the wind blow is your name today. Is it windy? Oh, it's super windy. <laughs> oh. oh, it is windy now that I'm looking outside. Thankfully, this the, this apartment is not nearly as loud as some of the places I've lived in. So Yeah, our walls are super thin and also things rustle against it. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I remember we had one apartment that you could hear the wind blow it like whistling in the eaves whenever it was a really windy day. Like it was so <laughs> loud that I actually couldn't sleep fun um which is thankfully not the case with this apartment but um yeah which it also makes lily really nervous so i'm glad that this apartment's not too loud (laughs) nice yeah how are you i'm okay how are you i'm okay i think i've decided to pull the trigger on an e-bike so nice yeah because i can finance it at zero percent apr for a year of payments and then i'm done that's awesome. I'm actually thinking of pulling the trigger on an electric motorcycle, but I would need to then remember how to ride a motorcycle, which I have not done in a very long time. Have you done, do you have a license for that already? I do. Yeah. Oh, cool. Actually, I got it like way back in my mid 20s, and then I haven't actually ridden one since then. So I would need to. It's nice remember. that you don't have to do it again, even though yeah. it's been like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, Over for a sure, decade. Maybe, yeah. When I finished the course, I did make sure to go and like take the test and get the actual designation added to my license. So that would be cool. We did end up uh, sucking it up and leasing a car too, because buying a used car now is like impossible. So yeah. yeah Crazy. Yeah, so we're trying, you know, we don't want to spend a ton of money because we're trying to buy yeah. a house next year, as I mentioned. And all this money yeah. is taking away from our down payment in it. I understand. I do not have a down payment, but I have very expensive animals, as you know. Yes. (laughs) Really, all of my money should always go into the cat fund. Should it? But I I really, really want an (laughs) e-bike. Yeah. I want something I can haul heavy things or heavier things on and also go up hills without dying right before I have to be somewhere where I'm expected to not be a disgusting, sweaty mess. Right. All of that is good. Yeah. 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 But anyway, yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that none of that is to do with why we're here. It's not. But that nope. is okay. <laughs> I'm grumpy. I'm sorry. It's fine. Is it about COVID? Oh, it's oh, still it's, oh COVID grumpiness. Okay, yeah, it's still COVID grumpiness. I was like, is it? Is it? Is it? Was it this episode? Oh no. This episode. <laughs> I didn't have uh, any any major issues with this episode. No more so than most other episodes, anyway. <laughs> My only epi- issue with this episode was stop fucking mumbling, Daniel. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he really did. I was like, God sorry, my mouth it. was full as I was drinking. That is okay. Uh, when you said that, I'm only I'm not drinking anything interesting today. Although I had a big glass of eggnog for breakfast, Woo! spiked eggnog, of course. Booznog. Uh, no, I'm just booznog. Yeah, booznog. The amazing booznog that you left here. But now I'm just drinking Woo-hoo. coffee and seltzer. Nice. Are you drinking anything interesting this morning? I'm having a perpetual IPA. Now? Nice. Yeah. Just thought I'd. I also have another. Oh, I didn't finish my coffee. Oh well. It's still in the coffee pot, which probably won't turn off in the time that we are doing this. So it will still be good after I this. I won't take offense if you need to go and get your coffee. Oh, no, it's okay. I did have one cup already, so. Right. Yeah, I'm on my second cup. I had to reheat it in the microwave. Rah! But still worth it. I My boss at the video store I used to work in he used to get Dunkin' Donuts all the time, and he would always microwave his goddamn styrofoam cups mm. full of coffee. And I'm like, I don't think no. that's okay, dude. Why are no. you doing this? Yeah, don't do that. Well, I don't think he's died, so I guess no, it was okay. Good. 
I hope he doesn't still do it. Although I actually think Dunkin' Donuts finally they, switched off the yeah, styrofoam. They don't use styrofoam anymore, thankfully. Yeah. That took a long time for them to get on board with that. I know, right? Now, if only we could get everyone to stop using all the plastic cups that are used for the cold drinks, then yeah. that would be even better. Yeah. Womp womp. Mm-hmm. This all also this is very relevant to Stargate. <laughs> yes, it is. And demons. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what we are uh, talking about. It is, yes. What uh, what episode was this? Season 3, episode was... 8 of SG-1, Demons. Ooh. What is a demon? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he does not say that. <laughs> he seems to know what a demon is supposed to be. Yes. And knows more about the Bible than O'Neill. Yeah, apparently he does or has read more of it anyway it sounds like he's read the whole thing yeah i have or, not don't have I any have intention of reading it from cover to cover it's a really <laughs> long thing sure is i've read bits and pieces back when i used to go to church yep anyway yeah anyway <laughs> we start the episode on a new planet sg1 steps out of the stargate and i noticed that the sploop sound that they make when they come through the gate into the new planet was like especially loud in this episode oh i don't know why that did not stand out to, out to me but yeah, yeah. It did. sploop <laughs> Jack wondered at all of the trees that were around and talked about how wonderfully green the universe is. Apparently the UAV that they had sent through found a village 11 clicks southwest of here, so they've got a walk ahead of them. Yeah, it's not that bad. Isn't that a kilometer? Yes, so I guess it's like almost seven miles, but I was like... And it's not as bad as some of the distances they've traveled. It's not like the time Teal'c walked back and forth like 40 (laughs) miles in a day. I think it was even more than that. (laughs) If you actually added it up. But yeah. But anyway, yeah, it is is a distance. Yeah. He must have been walking at a good clip too to be able to cover that much distance within that much time. (laughs) But he's Teal'c, so it's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, they don't do that this time. No. (laughs) They find a path. Uh, and I was glad to know that there are Katie Dids pervasive throughout the universe because there were lots of Katie Did sounds in the background. <laughs> Although they're usually only heard in the evening and this was daytime, but whatever. Yeah. Maybe other places that are not New England, they are more active during the day. Maybe. I don't know. They figure that the Stargate must still be in use by someone or something since there is a well-traveled path between the gate and the village. So they head down the village. There was a cool scene. I thought it was a cool transition where we get a close-up of a bush and a hand pushing down on the leaves so that the bush is no longer covering the view of the camera. And then in the mid-ground, there's a little lizard-like creature making hagfish noises that scampers away. And then we focus on the city beyond that. That was fun. It was fun. It looked like the church was smoking, but I guess it... I thought was it, it was on fire at first. Yeah. But I guess it the, was the smoke very was charred and smoked yeah. smoking. But when they actually got to the village, everything was fine. So. And they didn't seem alarmed. Like, oh my no. God, the church is on fire. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's all fine. Sam says that the UAV was right. They found the village that they were looking for. Exactly where they expected it to be. I don't know why the UAV would be wrong about that. So... I don't know. Maybe they had some calibration issues with them. I don't yeah, know. Maybe. Yeah. So they figure that because there's a church with a cross on it, there must be some Christians living here. And it was Teal'c that came up with this. So I was wondering why he would know this more so than anybody else. But as Kathy and I were talking about before, apparently he's read the Bible, at least significant parts of it, if not the whole thing. Yeah. Sam is surprised because this is the first sign of Christianity that they've found in hundreds of missions on other planets. Daniel figures that they must have been taken from somewhere in medieval Europe through the Antarctic Gate. Why he assumes that, I have no idea, because Christianity has been around for a long time, besides just medieval Europe and in many places besides medieval Europe. And how would making it through the Antarctic Gate make any sense from medieval Europe? But anyway... Those are the questions I have. Those are not the questions that we get answers to. At least we now have an Antarctic gate to, you know, explain how people long after ancient Egypt ended up elsewhere in the galaxy. Yeah, this is true. (laughs) So we're getting there. We are. Yeah. So they want to know which Gua'uld it might have been that took all of these people. 
Daniel goes through the laundry list of the ones that they've run into so far that were primarily the Egyptian ones. And Jack's like, yeah, yeah, we know. We know all of those guys. Daniel thinks that if the people were already Christians by the time that they were taken from Earth, then this Gua'uld must be playing God. And how is that different from any other of the Gua'ulds that we have run into so far? I think the only difference is, is that this god is a present god in the yeah. current yeah. Earth time. The the god with a capital G rather than the lowercase g type of god who has their own individual and more unique name. Yeah. <laughs> Tilk doesn't know of any Gua'uld that would have the the benevolence, as he says, necessary to be the god that is portrayed in the Bible. And this is when Jack is surprised to learn that Tilk has read the Bible. And he's like, well, haven't you? It's a significant part of your culture. And Jack says, I'm listening to it on tape. So, you know, don't tell me how it ends. That's that scene. It is. Making their way to the village. Yeah. Have we gotten to credits yet? No. 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 Wow. (laughs) This was a long opener, I felt Yeah. Yeah. So they finally make it down to the village itself. Everybody is terrified of SG-1, probably specifically Teal'c with the gold tattoo that he has. But everybody runs away. Daniel says that they're not there to hurt them, but people slam doors in their faces anyway. He continues to try to explain that they're just peaceful travelers, Mm -hmm. but Jack's like, yeah, they're not buying that. He muttered that anyway. Yeah. We're peaceful. Okay. So they find some stone pedestal with symbols and writing on it, and Jack asks if it's English. Shouldn't you be able to tell, though? Because there were clearly some English I could words tell. in there. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Jack, maybe he only listens to the Bible on tape because he has not learned to read the English. That is entirely possible. <laughs> yeah. So Daniel specifies that, yes, this is Middle English pre-Chaucer. He reads the the passage out loud. It's essentially just a prayer of some sort for suffering souls. Then they find a lady who is chained to a post in the middle of the village. And then we get credits. Yay. Yeah. So Middle English pre-Chaucer. Oh, yes. I just briefly looked at this because I was just (laughs) curious because at some other point too in the episode, Daniel makes mention of them having had to transport these people here over a thousand years ago. Yeah, I noticed that. So I was just looking at dates. Middle English was the English that came out of the blending of the Norman culture after the conquest of 1066 with the Old English. That was a little bit more than a thousand years ago or a little less. But I don't know. It's kind of close. You know, it seems just like this. He's just saying it's like a post Beowulf, but pre-Canterbury Tales time. (laughs) What exactly were the Middle Ages? I think of them as being like the 14 and 1500s, but I think I'm not right in that. I don't know the dates either, but I thought, yeah, let's see. I am Googling right now, you guys. (laughs) I'm judging you for it. I never Google anything in the middle of an episode. I do that all the time. I know. (laughs) The Wikipedia says it lasted approximately from the 5th century to the 15th century. So, oh, okay. So it wasn't completely off. It was just no. way longer than I thought. Yeah. Interesting. Ooh. Yeah. So that seemed about okay. But yeah. I think the thousand thing makes it a little bit earlier than actual Middle English. But that's okay, yeah. Daniel. That's okay. Interesting. You didn't have your reference material with right. you to really like look He can't truly this. be an expert on everything, even though he likes to pretend Exactly. <laughs> he also mumbled that prayer. He did. Mumble at least the beginning of it. Like, come he on, mumbled Daniel. a lot of it. Yeah. He mumbled so much. Anyway. He did. Back in the village, instead of <laughs> in Kathy World over here. I like Kathy World. It's a fun place. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> they rush over to the chained up woman and have a look at her. She's got some marks on her face and she's a little pale, but I think she's just a pale lady. So she looks mostly all right. Finally, some good news. There's no other way to take that. They tell her it's going to be okay and they're going to get him out of it. But then a man pops out from a house and is like, please spare her. And Daniel's like, we're not going to hurt you. We're friends. 
okay, Daniel, you definitely <laughs> should trust people who tell you we're friends that you've never met before. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. He introduces himself as Simon, asks if they came through the circle of darkness, and Sam is like, the Stargate? Yeah, we did that. So Simon concludes that they're bad guys, and please spare Mary, this young woman. I am an awfully young woman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I actually thought it was you the entire time. Also pale. Like, yeah, yeah. in my personal experience, all Marys are very pale. So, um, <laughs> yeah, this was totally me. <laughs> I don't think Mary was that pale. We probably can't leave that in. But <laughs> no, I don't think she was either. But um Okay, so fine. In my sample size of three, <laughs> this actress whose real name is probably not Mary, another Mary we went to high school with, and me, at least two of us are pale. <laughs> Still a good percentage. Yeah. Well past the majority. Yeah. So Simon's like, don't sacrifice her. And Jack's like, whoa, what are you talking about? Sacrifice? Simon elaborates that if he, not really, he doesn't explain anything, but he's like, if you leave her behind, the village canon will choose another person. Daniel realizes Simon thinks they're demons. And then he kind of mutters to O'Neill, he thinks we're demons. (laughs) Which he probably heard the first time. Right. Jack tells Simon, no, we're not demons. We're human. Like you. From Earth. Also like you. Mm Mm-hmm. Daniel asks if there are other demons that come through the Stargate. And Simon's like, you know he does. So Simon's still not on team where you're friends. Daniel's like, we don't know what you're talking about. What does he look like? And Simon's like, he comes in his true form sometimes, but demons can take many shapes. And he kind of glances over at Teal'c while he's saying that. <laughs> oh, poor I know. Poor Teal'c. Tilk then figures out how to free Mary by shooting the chains with his staff weapon. And she's freed. I liked here how Tilk told Carter to shield Mary's eyes. And instead of just like covering the lady's eyes, Sam just like blocked her full bodily. <laughs> she did. <laughs> that was an interesting choice. <laughs> it was. I mean, maybe she's just, you know, like... I know what a staff weapon can do, and I think Tilk is underestimating what can happen. <laughs> Tilk would never do such a thing, though. No. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Mary runs away to her house, and Simon, though, stays behind and is still begging them not to sacrifice her and to take him in her place. Jack's not having that, though. He's like, get up. Stop that. Come on. And he tells him that we're not demons. Mary's not possessed. Aren't I? You might be. But this Mary. (laughs) Jack thinks she looks a little sick, actually. So O'Neill's like, maybe we can help you. And so they all go to Simon's house. Yeah, they do. Yeah. In Simon's house... They determine that Mary has chicken pox and that they should for sure trust Jack. You know what would have been helpful here is vaccines because vaccines are yeah, great. And they are. chicken pox is a thing we have vaccines for now. So oh, that would have been nice when I was a kid. I know, right? I also had chicken pox and then I have also had shingles. So. Also, yeah. Also, haven't if she's got chicken pox, someone else has got chicken pox too, right? This is not like... Yeah, not like everyone's got chicken pox if this lady has chicken pox. Yes. Yeah, I think they know what chicken pox look like. Mm-hmm. They're just yeah. ganging so up on So she's got girl. a fever, but they're all like, yeah, well, she'll be fine, except for she'll be a little bit itchy, but that's as bad as it's possibly going to be. You would think I would have actually looked up how bad chicken pox can actually get, but I didn't. I just know from personal experience that if you get shingles later in life, it's miserable. That's actually more dangerous because that tends to hit people that are immunocompromised later Stupid in life. shingles. But that is the extent of my knowledge without actually looking anything up. It really sucks because there's also a shingles vaccine, but they don't there give is. it to you until you're old. I'm not old enough to have it, yeah. <laughs> I only had shingles once, so I'm hoping it stays that way. I um, hope but so. But it was very miserable. <laughs> yeah. So they say that she's going to be fine in a couple days, but Simon says that that's not soon enough because the time of sacrifice is at hand and they're going to be performing the trepanning ritual that night to cleanse her. 
And trepanning is, in fact, a, a surgical procedure that they would have been practicing around this time. Daniel explains that it's a procedure often done in the Middle Ages, where they drill a hole in the person's head, and by drilling a hole, the evil spirits are released, thus saving the person from eternal damnation. And he's really only kind of half right about this, because trepanning has actually been done for multiple millennia. It's actually one of the first surgeries that we have evidence of, and it goes back many thousands of years. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> there was, in some applications, a spiritual component like this, but a lot of the time it was just intended to relieve pressure from the inside of the head. So it wasn't necessarily just a spiritual thing. It would often be done if somebody had um, like constant headaches or that kind of thing. Uh, it's not really done today, but we do have a form of it that still exists called a craniotomy, which is also basically putting a hole in somebody's skull in order to release fluids and release pressure off of their brain. But obviously it's done in a much more sanitary and humane manner now than it would have been done in the past. I don't know. I, I let people drill holes in my head all the time in my bedroom. <laughs> Uh, and I'm not saying that, like, you know, when they it's were using very it in the sanitary. past. It, yes, very sanitary, for sure. Um, I'm not saying that all of the reasons that they would have used it in the past were, were good, because that's for sure not the case. It's kind of like bloodletting, where sometimes they would just use it because they didn't know what else to do, and even though it was definitely not the right choice. But, yeah. but it was not necessarily this deadly, well, I mean, it was deadly, but, well, I guess I'll get into it later. So Jack's like, so this is supposed to save her? And Daniel's like, well, they didn't call them the Dark Ages because it was dark. And we're not yeah. going to get back into how Daniel's wrong about his interpretation <laughs> of the Dark Ages. We've discussed that before. I was thinking about you when he said that, too. I was like, I'm sure Kathy will have things to say about that one. <laughs> just that. Just that one thing. Outside, a horn blows. Simon is clearly upset by this horn blowing, and he starts praying over Mary. And a villager outside yells about how there is a demon coming. So that's bad. We see a creature coming into town that looks like an Unas, or now that we're seeing it in better light, I actually thought it looked like Gorn. Yeah, it did. <laughs> Even more so than I had realized when we've seen various Unas in the past. <laughs> it also, like, moved really weird. It did. Yeah, they showed a close-up of its feet as it was coming into the village, and it was just weird and yeah. stumpy with, like, squishy hobbit feet it was yeah uh, it was weird <laughs> and he like swayed when he talked like was, yeah anyway very weird yeah. so everyone's freaking out as the unas comes into the village gorn unas if you want to specify that he's not darth unas gunas <laughs> there we go perfect yes gunas okay jack is surprised to see an unas because he thinks that they killed the only unas but Teal'c reminds him that this is not just an individual, or it wasn't just an individual, it was a species, which I thought we had already established that in some previous episode. Maybe, but it was still funny for Jack to make the Unas Uno joke, so... This is true, yes. <laughs> Jack did say, I thought there was only one, Unas, Uno, one. The Unas speaks and says that the time of sacrifice is at hand, and his lord Satan calls for five wretched souls to reclaim as his. And cookies. And cookies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But suddenly, Teal'c realizes that it must be Sokar that is sending this guy. How he figured that out, I don't know. But that's what they go with for the I, rest of the episode. Well, I think it's because Sokar is Satan. Oh, like, is he actually yeah. supposed to be? Okay. They, I think that, yeah, when he was doing his floaty face in the Stargate thing, I think that was the episode they talked about where he came from. Oh, okay. I think you're right. Yeah. Inside, they're talking about how this must be Sokar, and outside, Unas is saying that at sunrise, he's going to claim the five, and if they haven't chosen, then he's going to come and take even more than five. This should already be fairly obvious at this point, but Daniel's like, oh, he's not playing God, he's playing the devil. Yeah, no you, shit, Daniel. dude. Yeah. <laughs> Helpful. Yeah. Simon's inside doing something, but I can't remember what. The time is at hand for something inside his house. The trepanning thing, maybe? The trepanning, maybe, Or just yeah. more praying? I don't really know. I don't know. He's doing stuff while... Uh, Pray panning? Who knows? Pray panning. Yeah. Pray <laughs> panning. <laughs> so I don't know. He pulled out something and he's like, oh my god, Cannon's coming soon. And O'Neill's trying to get through to him to show him that the Unas is not, in fact, the devil. He tells him that it's an Unas. Simon's not listening to him. He's like, 
The time of sacrifice has been declared. Ah! <laughs> Jack's like, Simon! So he then pays attention to O'Neill a little bit. And Jack's like, we've seen this before. It's not a demon. It's demon-esque. Sure. But it's just an ugly creature. It's a gunas. Yes, a gunas. <laughs> Daniel mutters to Jack, who's inhabited <laughs> by a ghoul that gives it strength, intelligence, and the ability to regenerate. So Jack agrees, yes. And Daniel continues to mum- mumble in the service of Sokar, for who all intents and purposes is Satan to these people. Stop. Why is he making it worse? I don't I know. understand why he was adding this. Like, it's not like Simon couldn't hear what he was mumbling. No. So it, it, it's just not helping the situation by adding no, this stuff. No, because Jack's trying to talk this guy off a cliff. Exactly. <laughs> Daniel Daniel's is just not- exacerbating the yeah. issue. <laughs> Jack's like, it's not a demon, though. Daniel's like, oh, yeah, no, it's not a demon. Okay. <laughs> Tilk concurs and shares that the demon is a parasite inhabiting another creature and your fear... Is its greatest power over you? And Simon's like, you're not afraid of it? And Teal's like, we are not. And then Simon takes a long look at their guns. How for do some you even reason. know what a gun is? I don't know, but he, like... I guess did, he must have seen them... Use, at least Teal used the staff weapon, but I'm not sure about, like, staring at... Yeah, that would make more sense to me, but he was, like, specifically pointedly staring at their guns as if yeah. he realized they were weapons and... They haven't fired them in their presence, and I don't know how he would just assume that they're weapons. Anyway. Who knows? Anyway, this seems to have convinced him, maybe, perhaps, God has sent you. Perhaps you are the answer to our prayers. All my life I've asked God to deliver us from this evil. Jack says, so what did the lizard say? He'd be back at sunrise? And Teal'c's like, we gonna fight, O'Neal? And Jack's like, sure, why not? Teal'c's like... And Unas is difficult to destroy. And Jack's like, eh, a couple shots with a staff. We own him. <laughs> Just... and Sam's like, well, we hope. It... Thor's hammer killed the last one. And Jack's like, well, maybe a whole bunch of sh- shots with the staff weapon. Why not use a Zat gun? Since they seem to be pretty much straight up across the board, living, non-living things. You shoot them three times and they're gone. I don't know. Did they bring the Zats with them? I don't know. Who knows? If they generally do. I don't know if they did here. Maybe not. That's true. Mm. Jack also asks Daniel how long these people have been living like this. And Daniel's like, without proper reference, can't be sure. And Jack's like, a thousand years? And Daniel says, at least. Okay. I'm only saying that because it's not really important, but we were talking about it earlier. Yeah. We were already talking yeah. about the fact that that's eh, maybe not accurate. Yeah. So Jack decides that it's long enough to be living in terror. They need to do something about it. And Teal'c points out that Sokar will seek vengeance. And Jack says, but yeah, we'll just have them bury the Stargate. Daniel's like, but they have ships. <laughs> and Jack's like, ships? <laughs> <laughs> Why is he surprised by I that? I You know they have ships. They've been to Earth in ships. Yeah. Sam thinks that this planet is years away from any known ghoul to homeworld, even with the fastest ships. So maybe they're okay. They're four fastest ships? I've got my country's 500th anniversary to plan, my wedding to arrange, my wife to murder, and Gilda to frame for it. I'm swamped. (laughs) Jack asks Simon's consent to get involved. And Simon's like, are we not in God's hands? Which... I don't know. That doesn't sound like a yes. It's not a no. So, it's probably a yes. Yeah. Only yes means yes. And then we hear a church bell, and Simon says, The cannon has returned. Why is he called the cannon? I don't know. I didn't look into that at all. Me neither. I don't remember enough about being a Christian to have any idea. (laughs) No. (laughs) Anyway, I was delighted by this next scene because one of them has a dog. And this is the first time we have seen an off-earth puppy. And I was so happy. And what a good, good puppy it was. (sighs) Just a cute looking dog. Yay. So yes, the cannon has come back with some guards and a puppy. Simon says that the canon is going to choose the people for sacrifice tonight. 
Jack wants to know why he gets to choose, and Simon says it's because he's the spiritual leader, so he's the one who gets to determine whose souls are already possessed with evil. Some randos point out SG-1 to the cannon, so he goes up to talk to them, and when we get a close-up of his face, I've noticed that he's got some major squishy Mayborn vibes. <laughs> You're right! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so they came through the circle of darkness and Jack's like, yeah, something like that. They introduce themselves and the canon is very angry at Simon at this point for letting them into his house. But Simon tries to defend them that he doesn't think SG-1 means any harm, but the canon is having none of this. He says Satan has many tricks and many minions and that only those of weak faith would be fooled. So that's not looking too good for Simon at this point. Nope. Daniel tries to specify that they come as friends, but the canon is not too impressed because he is paying more attention to Tilk's gold tattoo and saying that Tilk bears the mark of the devil. He gets right up in Tilk's face for this. <laughs> he does, yes. <laughs> yes, he does. Too close, buddy. Personal space. Yeah. You're invading. Yeah. So the canon's like, even if these guys are human, their souls are damned anyway because of that mark. Jack tries to specify that Tilk isn't a demon, he's a Jaffa, Satan has nothing to do with any of this, and that the creature that is strolling through their village is also not a demon, it's a Gunas, and that they will help and bring an end to all these sacrifices if they just give SG-1 a chance to help. But the canon is not convinced, he says that their souls are unclean, and he announces as much to the people of the village. Tilk says it appears they do not desire our assistance. (laughs) That is for sure the case. So they try to leave, but the canon does not let them. He apparently has some sparkle bling of his own in the form of a ring, which we haven't seen before. The sky gets all cloudy and there's thunder, and it was very reminiscent of the special effects from Ghostbusters. (laughs) Are you a god? No. Then... You're right. Yes. So a bolt of lightning suddenly comes down out of the sky and takes out all of SG-1. Yeah, it does. Yep. I just looked it up. Canon is priest. Ah, (laughs) thank you again, Wikipedia. Yay. Any particular branch of Christianity that uses the term canon? Let's see. It's a Latin, comes from Latin, blah, blah, blah. Originally, it was a cleric living with others in a clergy house or later in one of the houses within the precinct or close to a cathedral or other major church and conducting his life according to the customary discipline or rules of the church. Let's see. Secular canons, honorary canons, canon professors, minor... I don't know. This is not... Okay. Not They talk about Latin church, Church of England. So multiple, maybe. Probably multiple. Sex, yeah. Branches, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Back to this canon. Or actually. Yes. Actually, we're not with the canon at the moment. We are. Nope. We're in a cell covered in straw. Or at least the ground is, not the whole cell. That'd be funny if they were <laughs> packed in straw. <laughs> yes, it would. It's how they pack the Stargate. Maybe they decided That's true. to pack them in the same way. <laughs> the team's been locked up. Carter wakes up. The camera turns with her. To make Jack upright, because she's seeing him when she opens her eyes. He's chewing on a stalk of hay. Normal. Yep. I like to pick up random hay and chew it, too. Who knows what was in that cell? (laughs) That doesn't seem sanitary. Like, what kind of rats are running around in that hay? Or how long were the last captives in there? And what were their sanitary facilities like? (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Sam informs Jack that she's been disarmed, which he probably, he does know that. (laughs) Yes. He also notes that Tilk is gone. Daniel wakes up and asks, did we just get struck by a bolt of lightning? (laughs) A bolt of lightning. 1.21. Yeah. (laughs) That's all it takes to take down SG-1 and send you back to the future. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) She says it looked like lightning, but she says it felt more like a zap blast to her, which sort of makes me wonder if she's 
she knows what a zap blast feels like, obviously, but no. does she know what a bolt of lightning feels like? Maybe it feels like a zap blast. <laughs> that is a valid question, and I'm guessing it's probably not that likely that she has been struck by lightning. Yeah. Before. And I would think they would feel similar. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. She makes note that the cannon had touched his sparkle bling right before the lightning started. Jack asks Carter to give him a swift kick if he ever gets the urge to help anybody ever again. Which seems extreme, but I didn't just get, you know, struck by lightning. Simon comes to see them and tells them he doesn't think they're demons, which is very nice. He tried to argue that to the cannon, but the cannon is not having it. Jack asks about Tilk, and Simon tells him that Tilk needs to endure the tests. And Jack is curious which test these might be. But the SATs? Yeah, it's probably the SATs. Maybe the ASVAB. That's the military test that oh. he would have gotten around having to take. Yeah. Seeing as he didn't actually join the military in an official manner. Yeah, so this is what they're doing. They're signing yeah. him up for the military. Yeah. Jack doesn't get to hear about what tests they are because Teal'c is uh, surrounded by villagers being marched through the village and is pushed up against a post or something. He's been through some shit already. I assumed that meant he had already been tested, but no. (laughs) Because he's got like blood all over his face. Yes, he does. The cannon appears to talk to Teal'c and asks him what he has to say for himself. Tilk's like, I don't serve your demon. And then the cannon starts speechifying while O'Neill tries to get Tilk's attention. But Simon tells Jack that he needs to shut up or they're going to kill Tilk. <laughs> that seems extreme. Yes. But, but hey, the cannon finishes his speech about seeking out spirits and punishing them, blah, blah, blah. Daniel realizes the mark of the devil. Jack's like, what? In the Middle Ages, one of the proofs of witchcraft was a mark on the body made by the devil himself that's insensitive to pain. So the cannon gets a glowing metal rod from a blacksmith, I presume. A dirty, dirty Mm -hmm. man. (laughs) Likely a blacksmith. He was very dirty. (laughs) (laughs) And the cannon goes over to Tilk and presses that hot rod right against Tilk's tattoo. And Tilk doesn't do anything. And the team seems pretty sad that Tilk doesn't like feign pain or something. But right. Also, I had issues with this because, like, you can definitely see his tattoo is not like a solid, yeah, metal plate. It is carved gold with like patches of skin in between the gold so it should have been excruciatingly painful even if you wanted to say that like well maybe the nerve endings in his skin got killed off in the tattoo process like the gold should still be melting and running down his face at this point and also there would still be nerve endings in his bones and his muscles underneath the skin on his forehead (laughs) so like regardless of whether or not he had lost feeling in the skin around that area this should still be a horribly painful process with the tattoo getting destroyed as well I, maybe Tilk felt it, but he's too stoic to show it. Could be. But, he didn't but realize. there was not even a scar or yeah, anything left behind true. after, though. It wasn't even, yeah, it was not and even. And there was um, no melted gold. Maybe the gold wasn't pure gold. Maybe it's mixed with something that melts at a much higher temperature. Oh, yeah. You know, I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, mm-hmm. you could be right. I'm always right. Some, some weird Naquita gold. Yeah. Combination. Gaquita. Something. No. <laughs> yes, Gaquita. <laughs> or or Nold. I <laughs> I'm gonna stop. I like both of those. I'm not sure which one I like better. They're both great. Stop meshing woods. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Portmanteaus are fun. yes. So since Tilk doesn't react though, yes. it's given as proof that he is in fact an evil demon person. And Daniel says that's not good. <laughs> and he's right. Yeah, thanks for clarifying that. So they make their way out to a lake. There's a hard cut. <laughs> so weird. And then we're back at the lake yep. again. <laughs> Tilk is led out to towards the edge of the lake, and he's got a big rock chained around his leg. The cannon is 
speaking some biblical lines or something. Daniel explains to the rest of the team that this is the water test, and it was a common practice in the Middle Ages. It was also a practice later than the Middle Ages, in fact. And um, they really should have just had a duck and giant scales. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So basically, long story short, they're going to throw Teal'c in the water. And if he weighs the same as a duck, then he's a witch. Or if he sinks, he's innocent. And if he doesn't sink, then he is guilty. But either way, he's going to die. Yay. Yeah. (laughs) So they toss a hood over Teal'c's head. The cannon continues to pray over him. They shove him into the water and he falls oddly stiffly, like head first into the lake obviously sg1 are flipping out at this point and they are very angry and incensed but nobody cares so they're just watching bubbles are rising from the water and we get a pretty cool view of the people the priest and his guards standing on the surface but then the the smooth mirror-like surface of the lake reflecting them It was pretty cool, but I was not convinced that somebody had just fallen into the lake, given how smooth the (laughs) lake surface was looking. And then we see another view of bubbles coming up as Tilk is supposedly drowning. Bubbles. Bubbles, my bubbles. Tilk does not resurface, so the canon says that God's will has been done. How would this be God's will being done, though, if he drowned? Because if he drowned, that meant that he wasn't guilty. I don't know. Well, God wanted him to die, obviously. <laughs> Apparently, yes. Yep. Oh, good grief. Yeah. So, they all leave. Yeah. Yeah. But somebody went and retrieved Teal'c. Yeah. And how did they do that? They didn't have scuba diving I don't know. And also, why would they bother? I, I, good questions all. Yeah. Regardless, they have retrieved Teal'c from the lake. And later that night... They've laid him out. He's all dry already, too. So, yeah. Nice. I don't know. And there's a bunch of women praying over him. The rest of the team is still in a cell and they're just looking on. Did you notice the background chanting that happens like throughout this entire episode? Kind which of. Which is weird. Kind but of. it was it was especially prominent in this scene and it wasn't like the people that were praying over Teal'c were the ones chanting. It was just like music yeah. with people chanting yeah the episode i did i just yeah didn't think about it <laughs> yeah the canon helpfully informs them that teal's soul is clean so if you'd okay. like he can be given a christian burial <laughs> <laughs> that makes it all better yep he also tells them that they are free to go although they have to stay in their chains until they get through the stargate to whatever dark place they reside <laughs> and they should never return and Jack's like, yeah, because, you know, if I did, I'd kill you, right? But, you know, you could just touch your sparkle bling again and we'd all be struck down. And the canon's like, ah, yes, my bling. It's been handed down through generations of village canons who came before me. Daniel's like, and that's how you maintain power. And the canon says, I do the best I can to abide by God's will. And sacrifices must be made because... The demon is real and could destroy us, right? Daniel doesn't really answer, but he's he's not wrong. <laughs> the canon continues to justify his somewhat monstrous behavior by saying that the sacrifices allow the people to survive for generations. Just as the wheat is separated from the chaff, the unclean souls among us must be taken away through the circle of darkness forever. 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 Jack's like, you decide. And the canon's like, hell yeah, I do. Now go away. The canon has taken on a real Godfather vibe during this scene, <laughs> the way that he's speaking. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed that, but it's weird. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. The canon leaves. He tells them to go thy way and trouble me no more, though, specifically, yes. which I thought was a great line. And I want to start using that whenever people are pissing me That's off. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> definitely do that. Yeah. Simon comes up and O'Neill says, your village canon has an awfully interesting way of tending to the flock. And Simon's like, don't talk about this because <laughs> you can't say anything bad against the canon, basically. 
Nope. Daniel continues, though. He's like, he maintains power by controlling who gets sacrificed and who doesn't. Claws, our master. Claw chooses who will go and who will stay. This is ludicrous. And Simon's like, no, really, shut up. I've asked for this dispensation for you, and he has granted it. He lets them out, and they head over to Teal'c. And Jack asks for their gear, and Simon's like, if I bring it, can you help us? (laughs) Jack's like, uh, what now? Help you? (laughs) Sam says, just bury your Stargate after we gone. That'll stop the Unas. And Simon says he can't do that because he's not allowed to go near it or look at it. That's unfortunate. Quite. An old dude, villager, calls for Simon that they're ready. And Simon says he's on his way. What, you might ask, as Daniel does. <laughs> and it's for the trepanning ritual. He explains that Mary's parents were sacrificed a year ago, and he's been taking care of her, and without their help, he's going to have to drill a hole in her head before the cannon chooses his next victims. Daniel says, you can't do that. You're going to kill her. Simon's like, I have no choice, and it's better that she die with us than at the hands of the devil himself. Daniel appeals to Jack. Jack says no. But Daniel... It's like, we can't condemn this girl because one dude is an asshole. Teal'c will have died for nothing if nothing good comes from this. So, okay. Daniel's on team. Let's do stuff. (laughs) Jack was on till they made him angry. Right. Later on in Simon's house, they are preparing for the ritual. They're acting like it's a death sentence here, although that was not necessarily the case. I mean, obviously, there was a very high risk to trepanning because of, like, infections and stuff. Yeah. If they drill too far in, I assume that would be problematic. Yes, that would also be bad. They weren't necessarily going into it assuming that the person was going to die, though. Uh, Otherwise, it wouldn't have been continued to be practiced for thousands of years if it was never successful or, at the very least, if it was never, like, benign or... Anyway outside daniel tells sg1 to start back without him but he wants to go and see about the girl getting a hole drilled in her head so he heads to simon's house tells simon to wait and simon puts down his little drill his little hand drill which doesn't actually like have anything serrated on the end it's mostly just a spike yeah we see when he shoves it down into a block of wood so that would not really be all that effective at drilling <laughs> maybe because... that's why they die because it's not a very good <laughs> drill be, yeah maybe because they didn't really have a way to drill with it so much as just hammer it into the person's <laughs> head and that would for sure be deadly so yeah good point they convince Simon that uh, if he does not drill a hole in Mary's head, they will take both Mary and Simon with them to a place where there are no demons. So that seemed to be good enough to convince Simon yeah. to stop the ritual. Yeah. Yep. Good idea. Yeah. Outside, we see the women rubbing Teal'c down and covering him with a death shroud. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Christopher Judge has got a pretty good deal in this episode. Yeah. Because he just gets to lay there for most of yeah. it. Yeah. And maybe it's soothing to have people rub your arms and... I would think, yeah, yeah. like a little massage. It must yeah. be, probably feels pretty nice. Yeah. Inside Simon's house, Sam is uh, telling them that Mary's fever is gone and Mary says she is feeling better. And have you released that which possessed me? And Sam's like, no, you got all better by yourself. There was no demon. And Jack asks... Can you get us out of these chains? Jack asks keys to the other dude who's standing there. Out again with Teal'c. The women are still praying, but then Teal'c sits right up, (laughs) apparently not dead, and the women run and scream, and it was hilarious. Like the running and screaming was comical. I mean, it, it probably shouldn't have been, but it was really funny. <laughs> but it was. Yeah. <laughs> Teal'c's alive! <laughs> the team comes running out to find Teal'c is indeed alive. Daniel's reaction to that is actually Teal'c, you're alive. He sounds surprisingly ambivalent about that. Like, every, Sam and Jack are both like completely thrilled, yeah. and Daniel's just like, oh. Like, maybe he was a demon after all. (laughs) Yeah. Jack kneels down in front of Tilk and yells at his stomach, Way to go, Junior! (laughs) 
Silk says that his symbiote sustained him, and when he realized what was going to happen, he put himself into a really deep state of Kelnarim, which helped him to reduce his need for oxygen. And Sam comes up with some theory about, well, I mean, it is a hagfish, so this thing would actually probably be pretty good at taking oxygen out of the water. So that also helped to sustain Tilk. Woo! Yeah. So I'm guessing that the fact that he was in Kelnarim is why he fell strangely stiff-bodied into the water. Oh, so I guess that yeah. explains that. guess so. Yeah. So Jack's joking, you'd think these folks never saw a guy rise from the dead before. Tilk is Jesus. <laughs> That's the only possible explanation. Yep. Yep. So everyone is surprised that Tilk is alive. The canon comes in at this point and it says that now there's no doubt that they're all evil. All of them, not just Tilk. But Jack's like, well, he passed your test. Did he? I don't know. Who even knows? I don't, it, know. I don't think that this is a possible outcome that they're calculating for in that test. No. So. <laughs> I don't know whether this proves or disproves their theory that he's evil, but apparently the canon thinks that it proves that he's evil. Boop. Jack once again says that they should just be shot if they ever try to help <laughs> save anyone again. <laughs> so that's cool. The canon now condemns both Mary and the rest of SG-1 to death, and now they're going to have their, their five souls that Gunas was looking for. Simon tries to argue that he should spare Mary, or at the very least let him try the trepanning, but the canon is like, nope, can't challenge my decision. I have already spoken. So they're all chained up, and they are attached to the, the kind of like stone pillars in the middle of town, and left there overnight for, for Gunas to come and get. Yep. Yep. Oh, a little while later, the sun starts to rise. The team is still chained up, still waiting for the Gunas to get there. Simon is lurking around, <laughs> just staring at them creepily, and Daniel notices this and points it out to Jack, and Jack calls to him and tells him that they need his help, that he should just do something <laughs> to help them. But Simon just continues to stand there behind a pillar or something and stare at them demurely. A horn sounds. The Gunas makes his way to the village, continuing to walk very strangely. And Jack's like, good morning. <laughs> the Gunas has some kind of like weird, sharp boomerang yeah. thing that he's using to pry the chains loose from the posts that they've been hammered into. It took him a long time. It did. Yeah. <laughs> it was a slow scene. <laughs> it was quite... Jack's continuing to talk to him about, you know, are you going to keep up this whole demon bit? I mean, we're not convinced. Unas does not care about anything that they have to say and instead just picks Jack up by his neck. The villagers are, are looking on at this point and one of them asks Simon, if they're actually servants of Satan, then why are any of them bothering to resist? Gunas says to Jack that they're not of this world, and Jack's like, yeah, obviously we're not, and what does Sokar have on you that makes you so dang cranky? <laughs> the Gunas just yanks on the chain and leads the five of them out of town. Yeah. Yeah. And they're walking, walking out of town, and on this path back to the Circle of Darkness, there's some kind of ridge, and O'Neill kind of looks around and gives Daniel some eyes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he makes eyes at the team. And Daniel warns Mary they're about to take a tumble, so roll up in a ball and just go with it. Mumble, mumble, mumble. Which obviously in this case was right to mumble. Warranted, yes. yes. So they do. They just whoop down down the slope <laughs> as you wish. I have that in my notes, too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So they get down to the bottom and get themselves up and they are running off away from the Gunas through the woods. Back in the village, the cannon is getting very angry at Simon. Talking about how he's always been so quick to ask questions and that weakness is going to be his doom. That reminded me of my thesis advisor who used to get mad at me for asking him questions. <laughs> You're literally a graduate student. The whole point student. of being a graduate student <laughs> is to ask questions and learn things. But That guy was the worst. A... <laughs> he really was. <laughs> Unless he's a fan of this podcast, in which case, it's cool, dude. We're good. I, 
I doubt it. I very much doubt that. <laughs> Even if he liked Stargate, he probably would not listen to it if he knew I had anything to do with it. The canon tells Simon that if he persists in trying to argue and ask questions, that he's not going to be able to defend Simon when the next sacrifice is called. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Elsewhere, the team's running through the woods, but unfortunately, the Gunas is also very quick. Quicker than five people chained together running through the woods. <laughs> and he steps on the end of their chain. Simon has apparently left the village and found them and also had time to grab the team's weapons. I don't know how long it was. Maybe they yeah, had plenty I don't of know. And how far they had, were. Like, they have a lot of gear, as we yeah. saw. <laughs> like a few episodes back, they have like three totes worth of gear. And he didn't have any totes, but was still managing to carry everything. Yeah. yeah. But Simon's there. He tells the Gunas to leave them alone. And the Gunas is like, you challenge me. <laughs> and O'Neill's like, shoot him! And shoot him. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> and Gunas is like, you're going to join them in hell. And then he puts the end of their chains into a tree so they can't go anywhere. And then he sort of, I think he starts heading towards Simon. And O'Neill continues to urge Simon to shoot him. And eventually Simon gets the staff weapon up and shoots him once. And there's a lot of green blood gushing from his wound. Glowy green blood. Glowy green blood. There's the juice. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And O'Neill urges him to fire again. He shoots a second time. The Unus is still coming, though. He shoots him a third time really close so that some of that gooey green glowy blood lands on Simon. Yeah. See, this is why it's too bad they didn't have a Zat gun. Yeah. Unfortunately, that has not been enough to take down the Unas, who threatens to kill Simon. And he kicks, pushes the staff weapon out of Simon's hand and hits him. Simon starts running away. Meanwhile, the staff weapon is conveniently possibly close enough for them to get their hands on now. So they stretch out as far as they can, and Mary is able to uh, barely touch the staff and then pull it towards her. They're only barely anchored to that tree, though, with, like, the sharp boomerang thing. You would think if all five of them worked together, they should be able to pretty easily just yank on it and dislodge the thing from the tree. I would have thought that, too. But here we are. She gets the (laughs) staff weapon, and Teal'c shoots them off the tree. Elsewhere in the woods, the Unas is still trying to track down Simon, who is running away as quickly as Simon can manage. <laughs> Back with the team. Tilk is continuing to shoot the chains. They, they can't get the, the cuffs off, but they can at least unhook the chains from the shackles that are on their wrists. And they all take off looking for the Gunas and for Simon. Simon runs into a clearing and the cannon is there. So where did he come from? Yeah, right? Who knows? Simon warns the cannon that the demon is coming and asks to be released and do they look up as the Gunas approaches them Simon being a good guy that he is tries to bodily protect the cannon putting himself between the cannon and the Gunas good dude yeah Teal'c and O'Neill they're running through the woods trying to find the Unas and Simon Back with Simon, the Unas is telling him, your god has abandoned you. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And Simon says, no, my god is with me always. Then the Unas hits him and turns to the cannon. Uh Uh-oh. Whoop. Cookies. (laughs) Some cookies. Teal'c and O'Neill finally catch up with Simon, the Unas, and the cannon. And it seems that the Unas has died. The cannon is hanging out by Simon, who's still unconscious. Tilk checks to make sure the Unas is actually dead. And O'Neill makes sure that Simon's alive. And he tells the cannon that he is. Asks what happened. And the cannon's like, Simon stood before me like David before Goliath. And then the demon threw him aside and he fell. It was a miracle. Mm. Yeah. Teal concludes these wounds were too severe for the gold to heal him. And O'Neill says to the cannon, so not a demon. 
a dean in yes <laughs> mckinnon's like totally had a t- change of heart he's like yeah you've opened my eyes bless you then o'neill asks for the ring and the cannon's like yeah sure <laughs> and i was like what yeah why? That was my reaction too <laughs> why would he give that up so readily yeah simon wakes up and figures out he's alive that's what i say every time yeah. i wake up i'm alive yeah. <laughs> i have a coworker who when i ask how he's doing is always like well i'm not under the ground yet or something like that <laughs> i'm like wow, wow dude Quite the optimist i know <laughs> I'm like, okay man anyway is he okay i don't know i worry sometimes hmm. um but so far still ticking so Tilk warns that Sokar is going to send more people to come after them since the Unas is clearly the Gunas will not be returning. <laughs> Jack's like, you guys gotta bury the Circle of Darkness after we leave. And they get Simon up and start walking off. They do. They do. Later on at the Stargate, Mary is there and Simon is there and... I guess everyone just happens to be reuniting at the same time because that's convenient for the plot. Yeah. The entire SG team is there and the cannon is there and the cannon tells everybody that the beast is dead and if he hadn't witnessed it himself then he wouldn't have even believed it. Jack tells Sam to dial home and she does go over to the DHD and presses one button but then all of a sudden pauses and gets a kind of strange look on her face. She looks over at the cannon and is like, the hagfish went into him. (laughs) And Simon's like, what? What now? The cannon starts to move forward towards everybody, seeming a little bit angry now. And Tilk aims his staff weapon at the cannon, telling him to go no further. But the cannon's like, I haven't done anything. (laughs) Simon and Mary, he's like, my children. (laughs) You know, he's... Playing all sweet and innocent. Oh, yeah. Jack asks Sam if she's sure, and she's like, yeah, I'm sure. She and their former remnants of Jolinar are able to sense the presence of a hagfish. And so she knows that when the Gunas was dying, the hagfish within it would have had nowhere else to go, so it would have gone into the cannon. And so the cannon's eyes light up, giving them the confirmation that they needed. He lunges at them, and Jack shoots it with his gun, and the cannon falls backwards. Carter goes to check on him, and Cannon asks for forgiveness, and then dies. Simon says a prayer over him. It's unfortunate that the Cannon is gone, but they are relieved that the demon is gone. Sam goes back to dialing the DHD. I have a question about that. How yes. long does the one button stay lit up before the right? Stargate decides they're, they're not actually going to dial? Right. Also a good question. It was still lit up when she went back to the DHD to continue dialing, but it I was, was wondering that also. Yeah. And what if you if you accidentally push a wrong button? Like, is there like a a hang a up button? Yeah. yeah. Oh, good question. Yeah. Can you hang up and then start again? I don't know. What happens if you just like push the center red button? Would that reset it? Maybe. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. We don't get those answers. Jack reminds Simon and Mary that they need to bury the gate as soon as possible once SG One leaves. And they're all happy that there's going to be no more sacrifices. We get a cool view from the back side of the Stargate through the event horizon. Everything is kind of wavy and blue. And SG-1 is walking towards the camera. And they just disappear as they reach the event horizon, leaving a view of Simon and Mary in the background. Yeah, that was really cool. And then and then the gate shuts off though and like yeah. it starts to slow mo like the shut off sparkles like go in slow motion as they fade to black. <laughs> so I was like this is really cool and then it got silly and then yeah. it was over. Agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was the episode. It was. Yeah. Did you like the episode, Kathy? I did like the episode. I'm trying to think of why. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it was it was a fun little story i don't know i liked simon seemed like a cool dude with a good head in his shoulders the canon was a pretty good like villain not villain kind mm. of person yeah so he obviously has his motivations for doing it but they're not completely pure motivations like he is protecting the village but he gets to decide who he likes and doesn't like and gets to send off to their doom right. so i liked all that <laughs> I like the twist at the end with the gold going into the cannon because it was a little unbelievable how quickly he turned his views 
Yes, agree. And, yeah, and I wasn't really expecting that either. I yeah. didn't remember that that was how this ended. Um, so. so I I enjoyed it. A little too much mumbling from Daniel, but otherwise, <laughs> solid episode. Had some fun shots and yeah, yeah. How about you? I did like the episode. I don't even think that it's necessarily anything specific to the episode or the characters in it or like how it was written so much as it a lot of it reminded me of other things that amuse me like the Princess Bride and Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yep. So <laughs> I feel like I enjoyed it more for the other things that I like that it reminded me of rather than for any any quality of the episode yeah. that it inherently had itself very true i agree with that yeah, yeah. good point <laughs> yeah thanks because i definitely yeah had both of those things in my head like the whole time <laughs> what are we watching next i'm gonna find out hold on getting there we're getting slowly but surely we will get there doo, doo, doo. okay next we will be watching stargate sg1 season three episode nine rules of engagement mm-hmm. SG-1 finds a group of SG soldiers battling a Jaffa army. Believing the soldiers to be the team SG-11, I said that a little bit backwards, it's be the SG-11 team, O'Neill and the others provide assistance. That is from our friends at Netflix. Sounds uninteresting. (laughs) Indeed. The booklet says, SG-1 lands in the middle of a blazing battle between Stargate soldiers and a Jaffa army. Believing the soldiers to be the missing in action SG-11 team, O'Neill and the others, provide assistance until the mystery team turns its weapons on SG-1. <gasps> so pretty pretty much the same, similar anyway. Yeah. yeah. I think I actually do remember this episode. I think I do as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. I don't remember if I liked it or not, but I'm pretty sure I remember it, in which case there's a lot more to it than the uh, the descriptions <laughs> yes. have told us. <laughs> Agreed. As always, thank you for listening. If you haven't already done so, please make sure that you subscribe to us so that you get our episodes when they come out every Monday. And you can find us on YouTube as well if you prefer to listen to us via that route. Reviews and likes are very much appreciated since they help others to find the podcast. And word of mouth is great for that as well. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at stargatesing at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at stargatesing at both of those. If you're feeling generous and want to help support the show, you can join Join us at patreon.com slash stargatesing. And you can also check out our website at stargatesing.space. I'm Mary. I'm Kathy. And you've been listening to Stargatesing, the end. The end. Woo! Yay! Do we want to record uh, Origins today? We can. I could do it. Probably should.